Uh, today I'm going to speak a word to you. So last week we looked at the first reason why we can arise and build. And we saw that the God of heaven himself will what? Prosper us. And that, that should be a more than enough reason for us to arise and build. That God himself will prosper us. And today we're going to look at another important reason why we can arise and build. So I want us to turn our Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 20. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 20. He says, so I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. So again, we say that Nehemiah was speaking to the opposition and speaking to the Israelites. That this is the reason why we will arise and build. And so the second reason Nehemiah gives is that therefore we his servants will arise and build. We his what? Servants. When Nehemiah talked about we his servants, he was specifying the relationship between themselves and God. Because God relates to us in different ways. Sometimes God relates to us as a father to children. We are his children. He is our father. How many of you are God's children? Uh, if, you are not a, if you are not God's child, then please, after church, we have to do something about it. Sometimes God relates to us as his creation. He created us. We are his creation. God relates to us as his friends. Jesus Christ said that you are no longer my servants, you are now my friends. So he elevated the friendship to the next level. God actually called Abraham my friend. So there is that level that is called friendship. But God also relates to us in a way that we are his servants and he is the master. And here Nehemiah says that this is the kind of relationship that we have with God. That God is the master and we are his servants. And because we are his servants, we will arise and build. Because the Hebrew word that, that is employed there, servant, in the olden days, showed a, a certain relationship between a slave and a master. Where the slave is bound to the will of the master. So, it is not what the slave wants to do, but what the master wants the slave to do. And so Nehemiah was telling the people that, look, we don't have any choice than to build because our will is bound to the will of God. That at this moment, God's will is that we will arise and build. And because we are his servants, when God says we will arise and build, we have to arise and what? And build. So God's desire is that you and I will relate with him in a way that when God says that this is what must be done, it means that is what must be done. When God says that it is time to move, then you know that it is time to do what? To move. When God says that it is time to serve in this department, you've got to arise and what? Begin to serve in that department. When God tells you that I want you to do this for my house or do this for that person, you've got to be obedient because when it comes to a servant-master relationship, there's no negotiation. No, we don't negotiate with God and say that God, oh, I, can't, I want to do it. No, no. When it comes to our relationship with God as a servant, servants to God, it is what you say that goes. In fact, it is a yes and master thing. Like, God, I don't understand it, but I'll do it. 
No, God tells you that I want you to leave this job and go do another something. Like, God, I don't understand. But yes, sir, master. And so Nehemiah was saying that as servants, we are there to work in the service of another person. In fact, that is where a servant is. The person works in the service of another person. So servants do not parade themselves about as those in charge. They take instructions from their master and they get to work. So in this season of arising and building, we are taking instructions from our master and we are getting to work. Oh, hallelujah. This year we are getting to work. We are going to do what God says we should do. We will build. We will be established because that is what God wants us to do. And I was telling Vicky the other day that now that God has even given us, um, what do you call it, another place and, and it's, there's, a, a, there's more visibility, there is more work for us. There is more work for us. There's something God told me now. I've not even told Vicky and I'm not going to tell any of us now. But when I see it manifest, I will tell you. But then God is about to do something for this church. We will explode in a way that will beat your imagination. But it means that you and I have to put in what? More work. So as servants, there are four important things I want you to write down. Number one, the servant is a worker. The servant is a worker, a person who acts and gets things done. The servant is what? A worker. It means that the servant, there's an expectation from the servant. And the person acts to get the thing done. So for instance, I tell Adiki, Adiki, um, I want you to um, I want you to go to the roadside. When you go to the roadside, I want you to there's a certain gentleman lying there, he doesn't have a dress. Uh, he doesn't have anything. I want you to take this dress and go and give it to the, the person there and give this person, um, what do you call it, these food items. Now, what I have done is that I have given instructions to Adiki. But between the instructions that I gave to Adiki and the person to whom I have sent her, there is something called work. She has to get up. She has to pick the items, either work or board a vehicle, go there, locate the person, and give the things to the person. Then what happens is that my instructions are now fulfilled because between the instruction and the fulfillment of the instruction is work. So when God gives us instructions, between the instruction and the fulfillment of the instruction is what? Is work. That we are going to work. That we are going to labor. So servants work. The servant is a worker. Please turn to your neighbor and tell the person, the servant is a worker. And ask your neighbor, are you a worker? Oh, please turn to another neighbor and ask the person, are you a worker? Yeah, I'm looking at all of you. So this year, it should be that all of us will work in the house of God. Because servants are what? Workers. After church today, I want you to come to me or come to Vicky and say, Pastor, I want to work. You know, I, I want to do something in the house. What are the departments that we have? I want to work. If we don't have your department, we'll create one for you. I want to work. Number two, the servant does what serves the needs of others. Servants are there to serve the needs of others. 
They are not there to serve themselves. I don't know how many of you have gone to a restaurant and then you've seen a waitress or a waiter. And the waitress or waiter is sitting at the table and then and has served the food for himself or herself and sitting down and crossing and rejoicing and eating. No, no, that, that, that cannot happen. No, no, the person will be fired immediately. Because waiters and waitresses are there to wait on the people that come. Their responsibility, although they, they also have feelings, they also have desires, they can also get hungry, by virtue of the work that they've taken upon themselves, they can't go and sit at that table and eat. So as servants, we are not here to serve our own needs. Yes, you have a need, but God has called you to meet the need of another person. How many of you have seen a chair sitting on itself before? No, that day you would have to run away. That chair, the same chair is sitting on. No, you would have to run away. Because no chair is meant to sit on itself. The chair is meant for some other person to sit on. And God has called us as servants so that we will be useful for the needs of other people. That is why when our sister shared the testimony with me about the jobs, I was so excited because like, God, I've been useful. Oh yeah, God, I've been useful. God wants you to be useful. God wants you to serve the needs of someone. You might, you might be the next prayer warrior we need in this church. You might be the next usher we need in this church. You might be the next choirista we need in this church. You might be the next media person we need in this church. We need you. We need you. So it is time to serve the needs of what? Others. Please turn to your neighbor and tell the person, are you serving yourself? Or you are serving someone else? Number three. The servant does not do what he or she wants or what pleases them. The servant does not do what pleases them. Because every servant is called to do what pleases the master. And I remember very well that I, I, I went to visit someone and then the house help, the person was helping uh, this, this, uh, this person was, was doing a, his own thing. It's like, this is not what I asked you to do. But he also felt that like, I, I want to do this. No, no. Like, this is not what I asked you to do. And servants are not there to please themselves. Too many Christians are interested in pleasing themselves. When our desire should be to please the master. So from today, I want you to ask yourself whether you are pleasing God. Like whether you are doing what God says you should do or you are doing some other thing. You see, it is easy for you to be doing something for God, but that is not what God wants you to do. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm doing, oh, but God, I've been doing this. Like yesterday, I told the leaders at the headquarters that, look, you can't come and tell me that, that pastor, if I don't work, I can't get tight and bring it to church. And so, and so, that is why Sunday I had to go to work. You know, when God looks at it, the tithe is not significant to him because you violated another principle. Your work became an idol. So you can bring, you can bring $100 million as tithe to the house of the Lord. It doesn't count in the sight of God because you violated another principle. So servants do what pleases their master. It takes me to the fourth point. The servant does what they have been instructed to do. 
The servant does what they have been instructed to do. You see, servants are about the instructions that have been given to them. And a good servant quickly does what they are instructed to do. And sometimes God will not come down and say, my son, my son, or my daughter, my daughter, my servant, my servant, do this. But God will speak through his servants, the pastors, and give you instructions. Like this week, this week, let's fast and pray. Hey, I hope I'm speaking to someone. This week, let's fast and pray. This week, let's come for open heavens. Every single day. It might look very difficult. It might look tough, like every day. But you never know that out of that obedience as a servant, then God will be doing something that will beat your imagination. Because when servants honor their masters, the masters honor the servants. Any servant that honors the master well, the master honors the servant. I know of a lady who served the people that she was staying with so well. She served them so well. Can you imagine that? She served them. She didn't want to even leave them. They wanted to get a place for her and a own shop and everything. She still wanted to serve them. Can you believe that God sent someone who, who is like advanced in education to come and marry this girl? And at her marriage, you, would, you can't even believe that the, the, the marriage was not a small marriage. No, the ceremony was not a small ceremony. Can you believe on top of that, this girl says she wants to still, still serve the people that she was with. Like she's married, but instead of going to open, I want to come and still serve you, then I'll go to my husband. Can you imagine? But they honored her because this girl, she has the heart of a servant. I don't think she put her one CD into the wedding. No. Because when you honor your master, and do you know the thing about God is that when we honor him as servants, he honors us. And God honors more than any other person can honor. Oh yeah. So, Nehemiah says that we are going to arise and build because we are servants. We take instructions from our master. Now, there's something very important that we need to know that all of us have been graced to serve. Because some people say that, oh, as for me, Pastor, me, I don't know what I can do in the house of the Lord. Please, can I break some news to you? All of us have been graced to what? Serve. As long as you find yourself in the body of Christ, you have something doing for God. There is no single part of the body that is useless. Even the doctors who say the appendix, they've not found a use. And, and so when you have appendicitis, they take it out. The appendix has a use. They just not discovered it. Because God does not place anything anywhere. Just for placing it there. Everything has a purpose. So when God brings you into his house and puts you in his kingdom and you become a part of God's kingdom, it means God has a purpose and a function for you. You have been graced to serve. So let me read this scripture. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 to 8. He says, having then gifts, differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So God is saying through this word that all of us have been given different things. Different things to do. And we will not all be doing the same thing. Not all of us will stand behind the pulpit and preach. 
But some of you, what you'll be doing is so significant, although no one sees you, it is what will make another person's life better. So the first statement that Jesus says is that having then Paul says is that having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So what he's saying is that the grace that God has given to us, it gives us or it bets out certain gifts in us. So by virtue of the grace of God that is released into your life, it actually what releases gifts into you. And he says that when the gifts are being given to you, you have to use them. So some of you, God has given you gifts. The gift is still lying inside there. You are doing nothing with it. And yet you say, I am a servant. Serving with what? No, those of you who are married, have you realized that when you buy a gift for your spouse and the spouse does not use the gift, it is one of the most painful things. I remember, I, I remember some story. When we started going out, I didn't know my wife or that she doesn't like jewelry and she doesn't like Charlie Abrantia, Pamisiso. And it was her birthday. I, I was working, you know, break time, I went to town, went to the jewelry shops with my small national service bill. And I went to get this jewelry and that jewelry and that jewelry. And then I came that evening after work, came to surprise her. Happy birthday. Ah, I wasn't seeing the excitement. She was like, oh, thank you. But I was expecting a certain... You know, I was expecting a certain response. Oh, thank you very much. It's such a thoughtful gift from you. Uh, you know what? I, I don't like jewelries and gifts and these things. Uh, it's like, oh, oh, okay, sorry. Charlie, I was going back. I was like, it's so all this effort that I'm... <laughs> but, but now I know better. I know the things she likes. I know better. But like, fresh, you know, fresh relationships, you want to impress. The, the kind of things that you do. No, some of you, God has, God has, the things God has invested in you, but you are behaving like that. God, me, I don't like this. God, me, I don't like that. God says, this is what I want you to do. Oh, God, me, I can't do this. Meanwhile, God has given you the math. You can talk. You can be our outreach director. When you step from one end to the other, all the souls will be won and brought into the kingdom of God. That is what God has given to you. Some of you, God has given you gifts where when you come to church, eh, by virtue of your smile, like people forget about their problems. Yet, you don't want to be a greeter. You don't want to be at the, at the entrance there and greet and welcome people. So when the people come in, the pastor's work becomes easy because by the time everyone comes in, everyone is smiling. The pastor is wondering, what is happening today? It's because your gift is at work. Your gift is at work. Some of you can sing. You've kept the gift. Some of you can intercede. You kept your gift. Some of you, the things that you can do, we have no idea. You have IT skills. The media people are struggling. But God says that I have given you. He says so, according to the grace, the grace, the grace, that grace has released a gift. The word grace in the Greek is charis. It's a very interesting word because this, this word means favor on the part of the giver and thanks on the part of the receiver. It, a, it is God's favor that he extends to us out of his benevolence. So God gives us favor. Favor that we don't, we don't deserve, that we've not worked for. God releases into our lives. And, and, and not only that, but God allows this favor to work on our behalf. So this is Emmanuel J's definition of grace. It is grace is God at work in your life. 
grace is God at work in your life. So when we talk about grace, it is God working in your life. And when you look at your life, you can see God is working in your life. Oh yeah, at least if nothing at all, I can see an example here. Adiki. God is at work in your life. You can see that God is at work in your life. And he says that because he's at work in your life, he has also released a gift. And the Greek is charisma. A gift into you. And charisma means that, you see, you don't work for a gift. It's dashed to you. But have you realized that when the gift is dashed to you, you have to receive it and use it. So he says that when God is working in your life, he releases the gift, which is the charisma. And when you begin to use the gift, then people marvel at the gift that is at work in you. That is why we say someone is charismatic. Because the person is working with something and people are very excited about what the person is doing. So God wants you to use the charisma inside you, the gift that he has given you, so that it becomes a blessing to people and people can say, wow, my life has been touched by this person. So in this year of arising and building, we are going to be, let me use the word charismatic. You are going to see the gift at work in you. No, no, don't, look, today after church, you, you do the same thing to me. Today after church, come and say, Pastor, please, I repent. Today I want to work. Oh, we want people to give announcements. Pastor, please, I want to give announcements. We want people to do this. Pastor, I want to do that. Come and serve. No, come and serve. How many of you have ever come to church and the day you are coming to sit down, the chair shifted itself and said, I will not let you sit. No, it, it only happens in the world of Cartoon Network where you are, you are trying to sit and the chair will move and the chair, but in reality, the chair does not move. The chair is ready for you. So God wants you to be ready to be used. No, if you can use anything, Lord, use me. In this season of arising and building, this should be your prayer. If you can use anything, Lord, use me. No, no. I want God to use, you know what? I want God to use me. Uh, by the time I get to heaven, there's nothing left. Uh, uh, have, you, have you seen someone who loves a particular dress and the person wears the dress? Uh, by the time you look at the dress, like this dress is in trouble. If you can use anything, Lord, Use me. Like, this one of my prayers, that Lord, empty me of myself. No, I, I don't want to have any, I don't want to, heaven doesn't need my preaching. No, who am I going to preach to? God? No. <laughs> or, or Angel Michael. No, the revelations they receive in heaven, my preaching, like, no, I'm me going to preach to God. Isn't it God who is preaching through me to you? God doesn't need my preaching. Singing. Angels, the level of singing they sing. Playing keyboard. Oh. So the things that God has given to you and they are meant for us here on this earth. And if you don't use them, you will go. You will will definitely go to heaven. Ask for heaven. You will go. And you will get there and God will say, why did you bring this one? I gave you the charisma. I gave you the gift. Why, Why have you brought it back? We don't need it here. No, why, why have you brought this one? We don't need this one. So today, some of you can do multiple things. Put yourself to the work of God. Let them call you, add them, 
you the church is it is it, is it I, I mean is your father the past the head of the church or is the founder of the church like use your multiple gifts serve I was telling the youth the other day that I don't know which department I can't serve in ushering oh I've swept church arranges music team stewards I can receive first timers counseling administration what? Because the thing I realized about God is that when you start serving with what you have, he releases more grace. The Bible says, but he gives more grace to the humble. The humble is the one, it's not, the humble is not the one who is coming and walking like, the humble is the one who says, God, I've submitted to you. I want you to use me. I want you to have your way. And the more you allow God to have his way in your life, the more God releases grace into your life. The more God does amazing things into your life. I have seen how God releases grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Because the moment you start doing what he says you should do, he will give you more grace for more things. He will. So this year should be a year of what? Arising and what? Building. You have to tell yourself, I am a servant of God. I'm not a servant of Pastor Yima. You are not coming to, to do the work because of Pastor Yima. Me, I'm flesh and blood like you. One day I'll also be gone. But you are coming to do the work for who? For God, the living God. I am a servant of God. Let me conclude with this. Let me conclude with this. These three important points I want you to keep in your mind. Now, number one, God has called us into service for him. It's a calling. What God wants you to do in his house is a calling. When we say calling, quite a number of times, a lot of us are saying it's the pastors and the prophets and the apostles. They are called. No, you're also called. But you know what Jesus said? Many are called, but few are chosen. It doesn't only apply to salvation. It applies to the work. Because the chosen is not, it's not, the chosen is not God being favorited, uh, do what? Showing favoritism. The chosen means that God called and you responded. And so he said, okay, since you have responded, come. It's just like going to marry. You know, you propose to the lady. You are proposed. It's the calling. But the lady has to what? Accept. And when the lady accepts, then you stand somewhere and boast, I chose her. <laughs> but if she hadn't accepted, there won't be any choosing. So, so many of us, God wants to boast about us that he has chosen us, but you have not yielded yourself. You have not accepted the proposal. You are waiting for some lanky, lanky guy to propose to you. God says that I have proposed to you. I have called you for a purpose. And you must, what? Accept that calling. Number two, our service unto God is about his will, not our will. Our service unto God is about what? His will, not our will. And can I tell you, church, one of the prayers you should pray every day is that not my will but yours alone be done. It's, it's a difficult prayer to pray. Because I started praying this prayer over, I think over 20 years ago. It is a difficult prayer to pray. But when you pray, God aligns a lot of things in your life. Yeah, he does. So it is not our will, but what? His will. Number three, all that we have, all that we are, and all that we will ever be must be completely yielded to the service of God. Everything that you have, everything that you are now, and everything that you will ever be must be yielded to the service of God. Do you know today something that, that was running through my mind? When Deborah was leading the worship and I was playing the keyboard, you know, my sister has aspirations of becoming the president of this country. I mean, 
a Supreme Court judge and all of that. And I was like, I'm looking forward to some years to come when Deborah is the president of Ghana and she's leading worship. Like every Sunday she's coming to lead worship. Like where, where does the president attend church? GTP Kavod Assembly. What, what does she do? She's the worship leader and she's kneeling down worshiping God and everything. After service, she can have all the security people around it. But service, she's not kneeling down worshiping God. She's a worship leader. All that you are and all that you ever be must be used in the service of God. And I want to say this because I know God is going to elevate us. But when God elevates you and you get there, don't forget that it is supposed to be used for his service. Some people, they become a little rich, they become a little famous, and like, God, let's stay here. Everything that you have, everything that you are, and everything that you will ever be must be used in the service of the house of the Lord. This year, you know, some of you, God is going to prosper you in amazing ways. It's because he wants to use, it, use you and use that which he is given to you for the service of his house. Yes, in this same year, God will do it. In this same year. And so allow God to have his way. Some of you are too stiff. Allow God to have his way in your life. So remember that one reason why we can arise and build is that we are his servants. I want you to close your eyes and pray and tell the Lord, the Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant. Help me, Lord, to serve you. I am your servant. Help me to serve you. Help me to serve you. Help me to serve you. Help me to yield myself to you. Help me to surrender everything to you. Help me to give my whole self to you, oh God. I am your servant. I am your servant. I am your servant. Levado Shandayakava. You want to pray and tell the Lord to help you to be a worker. The Lord, as your servant, I want to work. I want to work. I want to work in your house. I want to work for you. As your servant, I don't want to serve my own needs. I want to serve the needs of other people. And like I said, church, we should get to a place when we come to church, you'll be sensitive to the need of someone amongst us and say, I want to be a blessing to this person. I want to do that for that person. We are the servants of God. We are the servants of God. We are the servants of God. I want you to pray and tell the Lord that not my will but yours alone be done. Your will alone be done, O God. Your will alone be done. Your will alone be done. Tell the Lord, Father, that I will pay attention to your instructions. What you instruct me to do for your church, I will do. What you instruct me to do for your house, I will do. Because God has graced you. He's at work in your life. And he wants that grace to translate to work. <laughs>